Today's edition of the podcast is brought to you by CoachMe Plus. CoachMe Plus is the leader in athlete management software and a product that I've been lucky enough to be using for a little over a year now. Only rivaled by the impeccable customer service that Kevin and his staff provides, CoachMe Plus's ability to constantly be amoeba-like in their ability to mold and, and matriculate what you're trying to get across and bring together is, is absolutely fantastic. Their constant pursuit of better ways and better methods and, and innovations and progress to their own product is absolutely fantastic. Go over to CoachMePlus.com, check out what they got, guys. It's, uh, it's something that I guarantee you won't be disappointed with. So in the first part of our uh, wellness questionnaire uh, podcast, we talked about the McLean research uh, that supported um, subjective questionnaires and objective information. We talked about the five questions that you might ask in a questionnaire, including fatigue, sleep, muscle soreness, stress, and mood level. And we talked about the scale, the scale being one to five. And um, the one thing that we see with a lot of different sports science programs is a simple math problem. Uh, you take the values and you say, well, 1 through 25 is the best score that you can have. So if everybody's 25, then they're all great. And the reality is, is that you have subjective indicators here. And what you want to do is you want to normalize the data for the individual instead of trying to score everybody the same. So we're going to get into a little bit of math here and actually talk about how we're going to do that. What we're going to do is we're going to create a z-score value. And we do z-score values instead of standard deviation changes because of the difference in somebody who might have high variance. And I'll talk about that in a second. But first, what you want to do is you want to take your um, values and do a moving average. And the moving average might be the last six data values that you had. So you have a six-day moving average from the previous six data points. You store that as a value. The next is you take a standard deviation moving average. And basically, the moving standard deviation is the same uh, type of thing. You take the standard deviation score from the last six values. And then finally, you get a z-score by um, subtracting the moving average from the current value and dividing that by the moving standard deviation. So we take a look at three different athletes who have uh, a difference in the way that they actually score their data. One of them is highly optimistic, and he scores a lot of fours and fives. The other one is highly pessimistic, scores a lot of ones and twos. And my third athlete is widely variant. He scores a lot of ones and fives. Now, if we were just using standard deviation change, the variance wouldn't be accounted for. So z-scores help flatten out that data set so you can look for the changes in the z-score instead of looking for the changes in those ones and fives. Uh, our friend Matt Holly at Notre Dame actually uses a color code for getting warnings on that z-score once he has them. Uh, basically, he goes with the stoplight approach, the green, red, and yellow. Um, anything over a 0.5 is a good change. It's a green. Anything that's between a 0.5 and a negative 0.5 stays in the gray. It's not enough to con be concerned about. Anything between a negative 0.5 and negative 1.5 is yellow. That's my area of concern and warning. And then finally, anything below a negative 1.5 is red. That's where I step in and have my intervention. When you normalize your data and you color code based on something that is 
flattened out for all different cases for subjective indicators, now you can actually make judgment calls on the data instead of just saying, I'm going to look at the numbers from 1 to 5 or 1 to 25. Z-scores are your key to helping understand this information in a much better way. To get your weekly dose of applied sports science updates, go to CoachMePlus.com and subscribe to our weekly newsletter. That's CoachMePlus.com. In today's episode of the podcast, I sit down with University of Virginia's basketball strength and conditioning coach and 2016 presenter, Mike Curtis. Today, guys, Mike and I are going to sit down and we're going to talk coaching intuition. You know, Mike's going to get into how intuition and monitoring uh, kind of fit together in this new sports science trend that we're kind of in the middle of. Uh, and he gets into some really awesome examples of how the two have worked together for him and, and where there's been times where there's been kind of some, some, some tug of war between intuition and what the monitoring and science is telling him. You know, we, we get into how each of his mentors have guided him, molded him, and really helped him develop, you know, not just his philosophy, but his intuition when it comes to working with student-athletes. We get into what, you know, to expect from Mike at, at this year's edition of the seminar and what the future holds at UVA, you know, how this uh, progress and, and all of this is going to keep moving forward and hopefully to the continued success that they've been having there at Virginia. You know, Mike's doing a heck of a job out there. Really great to have him on on the podcast this week. I'm really excited to have him here in July for the seminar. I hope you guys enjoy the talk as much as I did. Let's get right to it. Mike, thanks for being on with us today, buddy. Uh, Jay, thank you so much for, for having me. It's uh, an honor. Uh, you've had some tremendous guests uh, on the podcast, and you've you've also you know had a tremendous list of speakers over the years. So. I'm uh, thrilled that you actually uh, asked me to speak. I, I think we've been talking about it for quite some time, and and uh, finally kind of got me got me on the hook for it. So, looking forward to to July, and looking forward to our conversation today. Yeah, definitely. Have uh, you've been the one that's gotten away a few times from me, buddy? I'm, <laughs> I'm really excited. It's uh, I'm I'm excited to have you here, and I'm super excited to have you coming in July to to speak with everybody here at the seminar. So leading into this, we were just talking about um, a pretty neat, interesting topic. And I think a lot of people, when they think of Jay and Mike, they, they think of both of us when it comes to having a lot of neat toys and, and being involved in the monitoring. But we, we started talking about, you know, the, the coaching intuition a bit. So let's, mm -hmm. let's talk about that and, and, and get things rolling from, from that point. Uh, like you said, um, I think, I mean, one of the hot topics right now is, is athlete monitoring and all the technology that revolves around athlete monitoring. But, uh, you know, what I've found is that a lot of times it's all those conversations I've had with people. It's the years of mistakes that I've made in terms of training athletes of, you know, not only basketball, but different, different sports that have uh, kind of laid the foundation for me as a coach in terms of programming, developing a system. Um, and you know, the, the monitoring part of it is just, uh, something that supports all the things that I've, I've learned over these years in terms of training athletes, you know, so, you know, with that being said, you know, it's, it's, it's a small piece, it's a big piece, but it's a small piece, you know, cause I think what it essentially does is validates what we do and the processes we go through and in terms of developing a, a yearly program. And also trying to figure out what our interventions need to be when we start going down the wrong wrong road with our athletes. So, um, but at the end of the day, it's it's all those experiences that I've gotten, all the mistakes that I've made that uh, have allowed me to 
to, to develop programs for athletes that I, I think have elicited, you know, somewhat successful results. Um, but at the same time, that the monitoring has been something that's, I think, thus far validated uh, my learning ex- learning experiences as a coach and all the mistakes that I've made to, to kind of get me to this point now in terms of, uh, I think, developing, you know, pseudo-effective programs for our athletes. Well, I think it's probably a little bit better than pseudo-effective. Uh, uh, we'll see. I think I'm, I'm blessed to, to be in an environment where uh, our coaches have done a, a phenomenal job in terms of bringing athletes here that are bought into the process um, that, you know, do what we ask of them. You know, when we sit them down and try to educate them as to, to what this, this four-year process is going to entail, they are willing to do whatever it is along the way to, to help facilitate you know, an adaptation and address those rate limiters that they have, um, which has kind of allowed us to be in the situation that we've been in, uh, which is, you know, three seasons now that we've you know, won 30, 30 and 29 games and competed for ACC regular season and, and postseason championships. So, um, you know, I, without those things, without a head coach that, that actually listens to, to what I have to say and athletes that, that, you know, listen and actually also give feedback to me as to how the training process is going, we wouldn't be in the situation that we, we've been in. Yes, and very successful position. And it's something that I think has probably taught you quite a bit along the way. So mm-hmm. let's talk about examples. So has there ever been something where you've been like, my intuition is telling me that we need to go left and the monitoring is telling me to keep going left. And then maybe an example of something that, whether it be catapult or Omega Wave or you guys use First Beat, right? Correct. That well, would it's telling you you're going left, but you need to go back to the right. Well, I'll start with, I'll start from the very beginning when we first got here. You know, so, you know, part of this process of acquiring technology has been very slow. You know, it's been one thing at a time. What we tried to do was get one piece try to understand that that piece of uh, a technology and then slowly add another piece uh, one at a time. And seven years ago when we got here, you know, the only thing that we really had was was heart rate. You know, so the first beat, we were utilizing that for internal load during our practices and and some of our, our, our ESD work. Um, and whenever you get to a new program, there's this sense of urgency to try to, you know, change the culture, you know, work your butt off so that it elicits wins. And a lot of times what you're actually doing is <laughs> you're, you're, you're overtraining or overdoing what you're doing with your athletes. Um, and I think what we found is that, you know, the first few years we were having this, this, this incidence of, of overuse type injuries that was kind of limiting our ability to, to actually be available to work on our craft and our skill. And, uh, you know, I had this intuition, you know, I don't know if, if our head coach did because, you know, they kind of get to this place where they're singularly focused on what do we need to do to, to get these guys win games. And sometimes that's a little bit more than what they can actually tolerate in terms of workload, you know? So the impetus for us was, you know, we had these injuries, it's affecting our availability. You know, we need to find a way that I can quantify what my thoughts are in terms of our workloads in order for us to maximize our training process. And uh, slowly we started to add different things, uh, MegaWave, Catapult, um, you know, and, and what happened is as we started to, to integrate this technology, 
you know, what I had always thought in terms of reduction of workload, now I was able to go to coach and say, okay, listen, you know, this is what I have thought we should be. This is where we're actually at. And now we can go back and look and say, you know what, you know, this guy is out with a stress fracture. This person's out with a stress fracture. Maybe if we had been using this technology, it would have allowed us to avoid these situations because ultimately at the end of the day, you know, our success is going to be predicated on your ability to actually develop them in a technical and tactical manner. And right now we're, we're losing these guys just because we're pressing so hard and we're not really paying attention to what our gut feeling is. We just want to get work in. We just want to get work in. We want to try to get to a point where we have, you know, it's our culture and these guys understand what it is. It's going to take the win. And sometimes, you know, a broken athlete, broken athlete can't get you, can't win your games. Um, so from, you know, an overall perspective, what, what you see is that where we're at in the last three years, you know, what our, what my intuition was has been validated by us utilizing the technology to have a more structured planning of what we're doing, which is, has created uh, more availability of our athletes so that they can work on their skill, they can work on their craft, they can play together and develop that camaraderie that is necessary for teams, especially our team, which, you know, if you, if you look at the makeup of our team, we're not like most ACC teams. You know, we don't have one or two McDonald's All-Americans. You know, we have kids who are, who are three-star recruits, and our biggest thing is, is developing them. But how do you develop an athlete when they're in the training room or they're injured? Um, so, you know, we kind of went through this process. The coach and I evolved together. And uh, I said, this is probably what our training process should look like. And now that we have this technology, all right, you can kind of go back and we can look at these trends. And these trends are telling us that we're not following this or we are following it. And then we make our change. We make our intervention. And I think the, the process, you know, has this, this evolution of us working together and kind of utilizing the technology to support what our thoughts are has, has evolved into, you know, I think a program now that's been perennially, perennially a, a top 15, top 10 program. But a lot of that has to do with just the availability of our, our athletes on a daily basis. So, you know, what we found is that the technology has helped drive our decision making. But at the end of the day, I have kind of gone to coach and said, this is what our this training period should look like. And then on a daily basis, we go back and we, we look and see if if that information on the that information on the mega wave is all reflective of what we had planned early on. If it's not, we make a change. If it is, we keep we keep on the path that we we originally thought was was going to be necessary to, to elicit some success. No, that's fantastic. And, you know, it's it's been said numerous times that the greatest ability an athlete can have is eligibility, right? So okay. if they're sitting there with sports med all the time or they're in a boot, they're not going to be able to to help you, whether it be in the developmental process or in actual competition. Yeah, and, and for us, the last three years, we, we haven't had any injuries uh, missed due to what would be you know, you know, classified as a, as an overuse injury. Everything that we've had has been some traumatic acute injury, whether it's a broken hand, a concussion. Uh, you know, we've, we've had this issue with the appendicitis that have had guys miss games that we haven't had one, 
one game missed due to, to an overuse type of injury you know, after we've started to utilize the, the technology to drive our decision making. Um, and, and I think that's what's helped us kind of get to the place that we've gotten in terms of, of, of wins and losses. Yeah, I mean, it, if your best players aren't playing, then you're in trouble. Yeah. So going back, you spent some time in the league and you learned under some people who are, are very good when it comes to assisting with them and their eligibility. Uh, let's talk about some of your past influences and how they have impacted on, you know, your um, your thoughts, your beliefs, and your intuition, and then how that's connected with the tech. Well, you know, when I was a student here, my, my undergrad uh, degree was in sports medicine. Uh, ended up staying here and, and getting a master's in exercise physiology. So a, a large portion of what my undergrad uh, curriculum was was more focused to you know athletic training and physical therapy you know pre physical therapy type of things. So I've always kind of thought in a a movement based way, um, but you know to to stack on top of that, I had a great mentor here when I was a grad assistant who whose name was Tony Decker, who introduced me to Olympic lifts, uh, who introduced me to you know to to <laughs> to to. to to Eastern Bloc training, all of those things. And, and uh, that was an amazing experience. And started my career, went off to some other places. And uh, while I was at the University of Dayton, I had a phenomenal young athlete uh, on the women's soccer team who just happened to be uh, from Chicago and who trained at uh, uh, Vermeil Sport and Fitness. So she was training at the Berto Center. So she was a phenomenal athlete. I was like, you know, what is it that you're doing that you know, has gotten you to this, this point where you are so much further ahead than every one of these athletes that, you know, I have here in any other sport. And, uh, you know, that young lady met, introduced me to, to Al Vermeil, Mike Gatone and Eric Helen. And those guys kind of opened my eyes up to, to other things. Obviously guys like coach Vermeil have been influenced by just about every big name there is. Um, so to kind of be introduced to him and then have a relationship with, with Eric and Mike that continues to this day. I don't talk to coach Vermeil, uh, you know, pretty much at all anymore. But Eric and, and Mike are guys that I, I I still, you know, call every once in a while to, to, to make sure that I'm I'm still learning. Um, but those guys influenced me in terms of, you know, my overall perspective in terms of training, um, you know, utilization of Olympic lifts uh, for, for those now who it actually fits. Um, but just training overall, I, I think some of the things that, that uh, was passed on to me in terms of Charlie Francis from from Coach Vermeil and Eric, and those guys have benefited our program tremendously to this point. Um, and then, obviously, I get the opportunity to, to to move on to the NBA, and you know, I, that's that's a different different beast, an absolute different beast. You know, um, sometimes when you're passionate about development, you don't necessarily uh, get to to go through the developmental process when you're in that environment. Um, much of what I would liken NBA strength conditioning to is triage training. You know, so much of what you're doing is, you know, is making sure that, you know, you're managing stress. I think we do that on this level as, as, as strength and conditioning coaches for, for the collegiate level. But when you talk about 82, 90, 100 games, whatever it may be, that if you're fortunate enough to, to work with a team that's, uh, that's, that's a good team and go to the playoffs, is that you are, you know, for the most part, just managing stress. So guys will come in for a training exposure or a lift exposure that's 10 or 15 minutes. It may just, you know, consist of things that most people would, you know, consider as, as prehabilitation type exercises, things of that nature. And, uh, 
you know, you, you learn a lot. I learned a lot in that situation in terms of what I brought to the collegiate environment because, you know, with movement being a key focus for me to go through the evaluation process to kind of see, you know, what it is that may be a rate limiter in terms of movement and then come up with a strategy to, to, to lay a foundation for us to be able to actually train guys uh, at this level. That was a, a, a big, big part of uh, of, uh, of learning for me in terms of how to how to make people better movers. And now I've taken that lesson in a collision environment to make sure foundationally that all our guys are good movers so that we can get eventually get to a place where we can load them. So, you know, in terms of how we look at things now, you know, I look at things from a, a perspective of, you know, we're going to establish competency first and then we're going to you know move to capacity and then we're going to load. Um, so, you know, if you, you want to know what that means, I want to make sure that you you know, you're a competent mover. And then I want to see you be able to, to be able to exhibit competence and, and, and technical proficiency and not only weight training, but, you know, biomechanical things as it relates to movement, uh, under fatigue and, and through, through volume. And then once you're able to do that, we can, we can add load to those things in terms of, you know, you know, weight, velocity, speed, other things like that. But, uh, I think from all those experiences that I got, uh, throughout my career, it's kind of, of led me to this point now where we have a holistic program, a holistic approach um, that is centered on making sure that each individual athlete is, uh, their rate limiters are addressed. And it's not just a, a shotgun approach that we have, but all those experiences kind of led me to this thing where I want to try to find out what's going to be a rate limit to that athlete's performance. And we're going to address that based on all those experiences that I've had in the toolbox that I think I've been able to, uh, to formulate and accumulate up until this point. Yeah, and those are some some big time people to have, you know, theirs as resources, um, and, and a lot of people from different ends of the spectrum as well. Yeah, and, and you know, one person I, I forgot, you know, and, and we used to, you and I used to get on and do Google Hangouts with them, but but Charlie and and Charlie Weingroff and Art Horn have have also been great resources, especially when you talk about like, you know, uncovering what may be you know dysfunctions to you know, to an athlete being able to realize their, their potential or, you know, p- potential uh, indicators for, for injury. Those two guys have also been, you know, great influences on me in terms of, one, I need to stay in, in, in my scope of practice, but giving me strategies for me as a strength coach to implement into our program to make sure that, you know, these kids are, are continuing to, to, to move well, move often and move under load. Yeah, and I think, too, what makes those two unique is that they're both strength coaches, too. Exactly. Exactly. You know, and they're, they're great influences. And, and much of what I do, I, I attribute to the education that I've gotten from those guys. Yeah, no, that's awesome. So speaking of education and speaking of the summer, let's talk about the summer. What, what can people expect to hear from Mike Curtis when he's in Richmond, Virginia, July 15th and 16th? Well, you know, I think we, we kind of alluded to it in the very beginning. But, you know, one of the things that you know, I, I kind of want to tie in everything is, you know, culture, coaching, and technology, you know, so, yeah, yeah, we utilize the technology, but at the end of the day, like, our culture is the, is the foundation for us to actually be able to use it, you know, and in between, it's how do I actually coach, so you're going to, you know, hear me talk about programming, and, you know, how I kind of approach uh, the, the, the yearly process, and, you know, for us, all of our guys are typically here for four years, so how I approach four years of training, um, but essentially, the process that we go through in terms of educating our athletes early on, 
uh, as to what they're going to have to endure in order to realize their goals and, and their true potential. You're going you're gonna to get that. And then you're going to kind of get some of the, the information that we've gotten from our, our technology in terms of you know, how it drives our decision making, what we found in terms of how it helps us, uh, helps me communicate with the coach. You know, so one of the things that, you know, we've gotten to now is that, you know, you know, through our data, we've normalized each individual player and what, you know, what their averages are as, as it relates to practices and games and other things like that. But we also developed an equation that we can look at that uh, allows me to communicate with the coach in terms of just duration. So I'm just sitting there telling coach practice should be this duration. And then we know that it's going to be in some window uh, in terms of the, what the catapult numbers spit out to us. You know, it took us some, you know, uh, a few data points to get to that point. But, you know, we have found an equation that we can we can just kind of say, we're going to punch this in. I want this player load to be this and it'll spit back uh, a time. And then I communicate that with our coach. Um, So you'll you'll get insight to those things. Um, You know, and I I think just an open and honest kind of look at what we've done and the mistakes that I've made um, and then where we hope that you know, we can kind of move in the future in terms of utilizing those three components. So the, the culture, the coaching and the technology to, to help us uh, in terms of s- sustainable success here at University of Virginia. That's awesome. And I can't wait to uh, to hear about that, and especially, I mean, shoot, the first time we started talking about all this stuff, it was about equations and Excel formulas and what yeah. we can get going. So that's that's super cool, man. Yeah. And, 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 I, and I, I can't, you know, take credit for that. I'm a strength and conditioning coach who kind of dabbles in some of the sports science, you know, and I've been fortunate enough to kind of bring people in to, to surround me that, you know, we have, you know, one thing that's great about University of Virginia is that there are some crazy smart people here as undergraduates and graduate students who, you know, some of them have a passion for, you know, for sports science and, and physical training and things of that nature. So we've been able to bring some of those people in and uh, have a young lady who's just been crunching numbers for us and uh, doing some retrospective studies. And, and now we're trying to kind of, like I said before, it's, it's validating what we've what we already planned. Um, so, yeah, I, I hope to shed light on that, give some information as is how how those things have, have helped me help our team. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I just want to let people know that I'm uh, I'm I'm. I'm a pretty simple strength coach. I try to keep everything basic. And, you know, like I said, the, uh, the technology on top of it is just, just something that helps drive our decisions and, and validate what we've always thought we were doing is right, right for most part. Yeah, it's funny how that seems to be the common theme is that, you know, the simple stuff is the stuff that works and that all the stuff needs to drive communication. No, absolutely. I mean, when we talk about things like, you know, MegaWave, we talk about, you know, some of the information that that gives us back, you know, for the most part, what, what that does is it, it elicits conversation between me, myself and the athlete. So when these kids come in, we try to go through this educational process of understanding, you know, rest, hydration, nutrition, you know, how to set yourself up for sleep, things of that nature, but also like coping skills. You know, you know I think one of the things that, you know, some of these kids lack in this new generation is the ability to kind of deal with social stress, you know academic stress, uh, the stress that's associated with the expectations of, of being on the basketball team. And, you know, we both know that it's going to manifest itself in what we see in that, that Omega Wave data. You know, so what we have to do is kind of educate them on 
how to kind of develop strategies and cope with these things. And a lot of these kids just don't know, um, especially when it comes to the social stress. And, you know, I, I have this, you know, this, this private facility and business on the side that is kind of focused on long-term athletic development, you know, and there's just this, you know, this phenomenon called achievement by proxy syndrome, which is basically like parents and coaches living their dreams through their kids. And I think I see that quite frequently. And I think what it has contributed to is a lack of ability for these kids to deal with, with, with stress, you know, because they always feel like they, they're not living up to the expectations of their parents, you know, their peers, all those other people. And you and I both know those things will manifest themselves and hinder our training if they don't have strategies in order to deal with those things. You know, so uh, one of the things that we, we try to do is just have conversations. And sometimes, like I said, the mega wave just elicits a conversation. How you doing? Uh, my girlfriend, my girlfriend cheated on me. I, I failed this test. And it's just a matter of just sitting and talking with the kid just to kind of alleviate some of that stress so that we can set them up for a better training exposure two or three days down the road because they just needed somebody to talk to. Um, but that's, that's one of the things that, you know, the mega wave provides for us or it's, you're not sleeping well, right? Are you doing all those steps in terms of, you know, cutting off your phone, you know, making sure that, you know, the lights are, are, are off and taking this time to, to set yourself up for, for good sleeping habits, you know, or other things you just, but a, a majority of the technology is, is, is really, like you said, to, to facilitate, more conversation so that we know what's the proper intervention for that particular athlete. Cause a lot, a lot of times we can just kind of look at him like, Oh, you probably need this, but no, you got to actually talk to the kid to see what is actually going on, you know, and below the surface in terms of what's causing that level of stress that may be hindering the training process. Totally. hundred percent. So now looking at all this, looking at the past and looking at how you guys have, have evolved, what's next? What do you think the future holds with all of this at Virginia? Um, well, Jay, I mean, uh, we've, you know, and, and, and I think where we're at is we're still trying to learn, you know, like I said, every year that we've, you know, we've brought in a new pe- you know, piece of technology, we've tried to, you know, master that one piece of technology. And I don't know that we'll ever master one thing, but from that kind of integrating into the overall kind of athlete monitoring system, trying to figure out what it means, what's the most important thing that we actually need to look at, because a lot of this stuff can give you just noise and trying to figure out what's the best metric and information from those things to, to help drive our decision-making. Um, you know, so I, from that, from that standpoint, I think it's continued to, to learn right now. You know, I don't know that there's much more that we need to add in terms of technology without kind of paralyzing us. Um, so I think just getting better at what it is that we have, um, you know, cause the reality of it is, you know, everything that we have now in terms of catapult and, you know, mega wave and, you know, gym aware and all those things, we're, we're probably only two, two and a half years into having all those things with us. And quite frankly, I don't think that's enough time to, to have figured all those things out, you know, so we're still in the process of collecting all that data, looking at it retrospectively. And then kind of also figuring out how we actually communicate these things to our coach. You know, I think at the end of the day, if you don't have a coach who's going to listen to what, you know, you are suggesting in terms of interventions or adjustments, there's no point in you actually having all this stuff. You know, and and I'm fortunate that every day uh, Tony Bennett calls me and says, what do you think today's practice should look like in terms of intensity and duration? And we have a, a 10 to 15 minute conversation about the information that we've collected. And what I try to do is, like I said before, keep it as 
and we've kind of streamlined streamlined that down into me just saying, you know, practice should be this duration. And in addition to that, because much of our practices practices follow the same structure, you know, there may be key elements that he wants to get accomplished. And in me trying to manipulate that, it's okay, this drill should be eight minutes instead of 10, or this drill should be four minutes instead of six, so that we end up with that total duration in terms of uh, what we, we want the player load to be or you know, the, the, what we expect the IMAs or player load per minute to be for that particular training exposure. So, you know, it's just kind of just getting to a place where we absolutely um, have a, a level of communication with our coach that continues to drive our decision making and making sure that we're, we're looking at the, the correct metrics and not getting bogged down in, in noise. Yeah, man, the continual evolution that is figuring out all of these numbers and, and allowing that to be better at driving your decision making is uh, is a fun task. Yeah, it's it's a it's a fun task and it's a it's it's a large task too, just because there's there's so much information you can get from all this, but but being able to actually decide what is the most critical information is, is the hardest part, you know. And for us, you know, I don't know how you kind of go about you know, your decision-making process. But, you know, one of the things that we've kind of done is, is streamline our, our uh, process down to making decisions based on our key, key players. So those players who are those seven, eight, nine, ten players, making sure that we're focusing on the data that's from those players and not just kind of taking a, a whole team average. I think sometimes people can kind of look at him like, oh, I'm going to look at the, the average or the totality of it. But when it comes down to it, it's those key players, those players who are going to win you games at – you need to drive your decision making based off of lost a little light out here. There we go. <laughs> yeah, I got a motion sensor, and sometimes when you just sit here, it doesn't uh, it clicks off. Um, but yeah, it's you know that's that's one of the things that we've also you know learned over over time was to to streamline all our information down to to those players that are the ones that actually affect affect your winning and losing. You know, and you know for those other kids, you, the volume of of activity and load is, is actually not going to be, you know, to the same level of those kids who are playing the majority of minutes. So when it comes to them, we actually know that we can actually train them a little bit harder. But it's those kids that, you know, are key players that we are we're ultimately trying to manage that stress, you know, and it's, you know, we go through two periods of, you know, two periods during our training year. One is to, to try to develop a level of robustness and durability. And then when we get into season, it's, managing that stress so that they're optimally ready to play. Um, so it's, you know, but when we get into the season, much of our, our decision-making is based on our, our key players. Yeah, and it, it has to be. I know that a lot of people that do what we do like to talk about how everyone's the same and everyone needs to be, be treated the same and all of that, but at the end of the day, um, nobody cares how much work your walk-on does. I yeah. know, like, that sounds kind of awful, but it's just kind of the reality of the situation that, you know, if your top seven or eight cats are, you know, that are getting the minutes aren't the guys that you're accounting for and you're accounting for, you know, the people that are getting the extra work who may be just developmental projects, uh, you might be putting the cart a little bit before the horse. Yeah, but some of those kids are also great guinea pigs to try new, new methods and means, though. They're awesome with that. 100%. <laughs> hundred um, and usually when they're younger they're ready to dive right into it too exactly and then you know to what you said in terms of also util utilizing the technology is is having an understanding of the the different 
recovery uh, abilities of each one of those players. You know, that's the other thing. Like, yeah, we're basing everything on our, our key players, but also to, to kind of recognize that each one of those key players is going to absorb and adapt to, to stress at, at different rates based on sort of what we alluded to before in terms of their coping mechanisms, in terms of, you know, social, academic, you know, things related to sport. Every one of them is going to you know, adapt to the stress that you impose on them at a different rate. So being able to to kind of, you know, make sure that your training and what you're changing in terms of the weight room uh, or what I'm suggesting to the coach all reflects that levels, that level, that athlete's level of adaptability. Yeah, 100 percent. Mike, that's uh, some absolutely fascinating stuff. And I can't wait to hear about it here in a couple months. Uh, thanks so much for being on, buddy. We uh, will get this up quick and Really excited for you to be here in July. It's going to be absolutely killer, man. Well, Jay, thanks for having me. Like I said, um, uh, once we kind of get all this data kind of crunched and you know we get to July, I think it'll be fun to kind of present that to you guys so you can kind of see how it kind of you know all played out and how it drives our decisions. That's going to be awesome, man. Appreciate it. We'll be in touch real soon. All right. Appreciate it, Jay. And a huge thanks to today's guest, University of Virginia basketball strength and conditioning coach and 2016 presenter Mike Kernis. Guys, awesome stuff. Absolutely fascinating. Mike's, Mike's one of the, the best of the best out there, and he's uh, always open and honest with all of his sharing. I'm, I'm really happy that he spent the time to talk with us today and, and to be as open and as honest as he was to give us just a, a quick little glimpse into what's going on over there at UVA and everything he's doing with hoops and you know, really excited to hear what he's bringing to the seminar this year, guys. It's going to be an absolutely killer talk. It's going to be a killer weekend. Hope you can make it here July 15th and 16th for the 2016 edition of the seminar. And uh, hope we see you then, guys. And, you know, if you enjoyed the talk, please share it through the social media outlet of your choice. And we're just trying to get good information out to great coaches. So we will be back next week, guys, with another awesome guest. Thanks for being part of what we do here at Central Virginia Sport Performance. We'll be back next week with another awesome guest. We will see you then.